Hallelujah, everybody. Well, give the Lord a good hand clap, would you? Isn't he worthy? Say, isn't he worthy? Isn't the Lord worthy? Amen. Praise God. Go ahead and be seated. All these great introductions, I don't know what to do with all of that. It's, uh, just open your Bible. Would you do that? Can we get right into the book? Every time I get introduced, I'm always like, well, who is this Ray Bench? Everybody thinks this. Amen. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus, make it 24, sorry. And um, we'll get started in the scriptures, Exodus chapter 24. Good looking congregation this morning, amen. amen. Got a little better since Steve left, hallelujah. <laughs> now he's kind of one of my quote homies, I can mess with Steve a little bit, yep. hallelujah. It's amazing to me how the styles have changed over time, isn't it? Yeah. You know, beards, then no beards. Used to be beards were all hippies, and now they've all come back in again. And, and uh, so everybody's got their different styles, and it's all good. Nowadays, they got skinny jeans. You don't want me in skinny jeans. Amen. God has more mercy on you than that. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm so old, we put our own holes in our jeans, so we didn't have to pay to anybody to take a file across the top of them. We did it ourselves. Amen. And, and, and my day, we had bell-bottom jeans. Anybody remember bell-bottoms, right? And then if my brother, he was a little, little older than I was, and one day he walked in with what was called elephant bells, which was great big. So we all had to get the elephant. And then it'd freeze, and they'd be like, ding-dong on your legs. But we thought that was cool, amen? So I, I, I look now, and I just smile. I say, you know, one's not holy and unholy. You know what I mean? One's not right, one's not wrong. It's your style. Have a blast. I don't care. Amen. Just cover up. <laughs> Amen. Is that all right? Right, right, right. Come on. Amen. So, hallelujah. Did you find, your, did you find Exodus 24 yet? I want to talk to you tonight about, about God, God's house, and God's intention in God's house. All right? And um, get going. If you'd like to, I, I did bring some CDs with me. I have one back. I'll just mention a couple things. My nature, if you follow me around, I'm a, I'm a laid-back jack. I don't want any grief out of you. You sit over there. I'll sit over here. Leave me alone. We'll never talk. I'll be a happy man. Amen? <laughs> I'm just kind of fat, dumb, and happy, and I don't, I don't, mean, I don't want any trouble from anybody. How about you? <clears throat> but I found over the course of time the devil won't leave me alone. If you live next door to the devil, and you might think you do, but if you really do, you going about your life, you're busy, you get up, you go, go to work, come home, he will have moved the fence over 10 feet, even though he knows it's not his. And when you check him on it, hey, that's my property, I got a survey marker right here, you're over, he'll go back 9 feet 11 inches and try to keep one inch and do it again tomorrow. And if you're passive... Over the course of time, he will erode everything you've purchased. That's how he works. Look at our rights in America. Look at the church's rights. It's a constant attempt to try to erode away what our forefathers, yours and mine. Amen? Not, you know, my family didn't come with the Puritans and all of that. We came after the fact. But the forefathers of this nation set it up so that the church had rights. Amen? And if you're not careful, you watch, they slowly get eroded. 
Well, what I began to notice, if you read the Bible, God would mirror your level of aggression. If you're passive, he gets, he'll, he'll wait. You know, Joshua made a huge mistake. He made a covenant with people he never should have. God said, you're going to have to keep your word and keep that covenant, Joshua, even though it was a mistake. The next day, those people go back. They get into a, they get into a war with, the, with their surrounding nations. Joshua is summoned to come help them. And he has to summon the children of Israel to go back and to go to war to take care of these people who have just misled him months before. Not an easy thing for a leader to do. Say, I made a mistake, but I need you to help me honor my word. Amen. But in doing that, the Bible says that, you know, the, the sun stood still and the hailstones fell and all those wonderful things happened. But it starts with this verse. It says, and Joshua caught them off guard, having marched all night long. That's called aggression. When he got, when he picked himself up, even though he had made a huge mistake and he said, all right, then I'm going to go after this God. When he got aggressive, God got aggressive. If he would have just sat back and done nothing, nothing would have happened. If you want God to get in motion, if I was going to preach prosperity, I'll tell you this was my biggest holdup as I was too passive in life. And everybody just kind of stepped on me. And you know what I'm talking about? And, well, maybe nobody in here deals with that but me. But the statement the Lord gave me was, was this. He said, passivity is a luxury you cannot afford because your enemy is forever aggressive. Oh, that's good word. He's forever aggressive. And a lot of the things of God, in God and God promises you are yours if you will go get them. Amen. The promised land is yours if you will go fight for it. But if you won't, you stay passive. Right. Get ready to just dwell in the wilderness the rest of your days. Amen? Right. I've had all the wilderness I want. How about you? Amen? I'm ready to have me some good days. Praise God. So those are back there. I have some other things. And if they're a blessing to you, hallelujah. If not, that's all good. I hate pushy salesmen, don't you? Every time you turn around, they got a better deal. I don't do any of that. If you want them, they're a blessing to you. Hallelujah. If not, hallelujah. Um, I just enjoy teaching the word of God, don't you? And uh, so we'll, we'll get into the scriptures and, um, and we'll go from there. Praise God. Exodus chapter 24, God speaks to Moses. It says this, it says, And he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they, sh but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Skip down, if you would, to verse 9. We've got to kind of move along here. It says, And Moses went up also, Aaron, Nadab, Nadab, and Abihu, 70 of the elders of Israel. Look at verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. It's important who your pastor is. You get a good pastor like you've got here, you will see things in God other people wish they could see. Amen. He will take you, you get a good leader. He'll take you places in God and you'll have experiences with the glory of God you're not going to participate in anywhere else in the earth. Amen? Because everybody doesn't know God on this level. Amen? And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work as of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. And it goes on and it, it talks about all of these great things. And then Moses goes up further. And uh, skip down, if you would, to chapter 27, verse 8. Or sorry, chapter 25, verse 8. This is kind of where I want to really pick this story up. Because God, when he gets Moses up onto the mountain by himself, he begins to talk. And this is what he says in verse, verse 8. He says, 
Let them say them. them. Talking about the people. Let them, that's you and I, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You know, in the Garden of Eden, God didn't ask man for any help. He just did everything himself. Right? He didn't say, help me with the trees. He didn't say, help me make a giraffe. One person said that a mule was once a, a racehorse that a committee put together. I said, well, probably some truth in that. Hallelujah. But when, when God got looking this all over, he has this single desire that we can find through the scriptures. I want to be with people. Yeah. I want to be with my man that I created. In, in the Garden of Eden, God walked with man in the cool of the garden. Here we find God saying, let's you and I build together mankind. Let's, let's build together a place where I can visit you, where I can talk to you, where I can teach you, where I can help you. Can you say amen? amen? You know, it's interesting if you read on in here, all the different things. If you were rich, I guess you could bring things. But God didn't say, well, if you're poor, you're not important. He said, just bring what you can. You know, there's some brothers that were supposed to bring badger skins. You know, you wonder why some people are in the church. Everybody don't know how to catch a badger. You need you a good old redneck to catch you a badger. Amen. <laughs> You, you, don't, you wonder why they're in all of a sudden, hey, you need, i get you one. God said, everybody just participate. Yeah. Bring something to help build this, this room, this place where we can visit together and I can help you with the things that you need. Can you say amen? Yes. So that's, that's God's intent. I don't know what's turned into the church in the meantime, but that's the way God sees this. It's not a who's who. It's not a who's a big name ministry. It's not any of those kinds of things. It's I want a place where I can touch people. Now in the New Testament, we know that God doesn't dwell in a temple built by man's hands, that he dwells within us. And in addition, that where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, there I am. Right. But the idea is the same, is that God wants to keep touching and to help people. I don't care what you're going through today, God wants to help you get through it. Can you right. say amen? Those thoughts in mind, would you skip over with me now to chapter 31 of the same book? Verse 1. That's All these chapters are all kind of dealing with the same thing. It says this, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Sounds like kind of a crazy name. Remember... The first two real armor bearers Moses seems to have is two guys by the name of Aaron and Hur. When Moses' arms are heavy in the battle while Joshua's going to battle, Aaron and Hur come along and hold up Moses' hands and hold up that rod. Remember that story? Yeah. Here we have Hur's grandson. God singles him out and he says, I want to I put my spirit of wisdom on that young man. I want to thank God that the Holy Spirit wants to visit not only my children, but my children's children. Yes. I want to thank God that he's the God of my generation, my son's generation, and his, gener and his children's generation. Yes. Nothing's more wonderful than watching the Holy Spirit begin to not only affect me, my wife, but my children and their children, and to watch a legacy of the Holy Spirit begin to take place in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I, I was so blessed, you know, my... 
I worked for Dr. Barclay for years, and then my son Nathan, he's working for Dr. Barclay now as his co-pilot. And, and then, I, you know, they, in their family, they have a little thing where they pray for pastor every night. And my granddaughter sits down and she calls it praying for pass. You know, she can't talk all the way right yet, you know. Still got a little bit of an accent in her. But so Nathan sent her a picture, call it, call it we're praying for pass tonight. And, and pastor put that up during our prayer time in our midweek service. There's a little picture of my granddaughter on her knees that pastor thought was so. You, who would think the prophet to the nations? But that simple thing that the people around me are for me. And they believe in what we're doing. That even the children are picking it up. Saying the children. See the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's not just money folks. That's the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that's prosperity. Amen. And these, these, these verses here. Look at this in verse chapter 31. 3 says... I have filled him with the spirit of God. You see young people running around the church, bumping into things. Eventually one day God says, I'm going to put my spirit in that young man. He's going to preach. That, that kid running through the parking lot, he's going to be a business owner. That, that young man over there doing those things, one day he'll, he'll get his head on straight. We'll make him a cameraman in the house of God. Buttons you don't even know what they stand for. Those kids will walk in just like, I always say, you know what, it's like every computer should come with a 12-year-old to explain it to you. Hallelujah. Do <laughs> you know there's a, there's a grace for them, there's a wisdom for them, there's, a, there's an anointing for them. And, and when you begin to bring your kids and get them involved in the ministry of helps, that anointing begins to transfer into them yes. and life begins to come to them. Amen? And uh, to design, to do what, Lord? What are you going to put your spirited wisdom? To design artistic works. To work in gold and silver and in bronze and cutting jewels and setting carved wood. And to work in all the manner of workmanship. You know, in their day, they didn't need a good sound tech. We do today. Everything listed here in the scriptures wasn't what we... They didn't have a lighting person. Paul never had his mic cut out. Amen? Didn't have to worry about the lines live stream going down. But in the body of Christ today, we need people who can do all kinds of various things. Amen? Yes. Uh, and I, I was helping set up for invasion the other day. You know, they, we, we were out, we have a big dove in front of our church, and Pastor just said to me a couple days ago, he said, you know, he said, I'd like, would you, would you help me power wash that? I said, no problem. Well, we went to go do it. It needed more than power washing. So I got another brother in the church, and, and we started painting three coats later because I, I have a, a bucket truck. So we can go up and down, and I'm like everybody's new favorite person. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, so, but amen? But, but we got it done. Why? Because it, it needed to be done. Come on. Did, you, did you feel led? Right after he said do it, I felt led. Come on. I didn't feel led until he said do it. Come on now. Why? Because God doesn't want to just use one man to preach the gospel. He wants to use every man to preach the gospel. Can you say amen? amen? And if that's what the man of God wants done, then that's what we're doing today. Can you say amen? amen. So this is God's design for the temple. Chapter 32. Moses is still up on the mountain. When, when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming, verse 1... Coming down from the mountain and the people gathered together to Aaron and they came. They said, come let us make gods that, 
that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Moses is still up on the mountain. He's getting instructions from God about how to build this place together with man. While God and Moses are working and talking and settling, setting this whole thing up, the people are back there beginning to digress back to the Egypt they just crawled out of. Two, verse 2. And Aaron said, Break off golden earrings which are in, the, in your ears and your wives' ears, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So the people broke off their golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aram. And they received the gold in their hand and fashioned it as an engraving tool and made a golden calf. What kind of a backwards idiot came up? <laughs> Seriously, I have met some dumb people in my life. But you, you're, this competition, you are at least in second place when this is your idea of a smart way to... You're going to, let's just pretend we have a God. Come on. Yeah. Move. <laughs> Haven't we... <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. This is your idea of a smart... This, you're going to kneel down, you're going to worship this? Pretend? God's saying, I want a sanctuary, I want a temple, I want a place of my visitation, a, a, a place where of my empowerment. Man says, move. <laughs> I'd say we have a little bit different opinion of what church ought to be between man and what God is looking for. Come on, brother. Is that all right? <laughs> Exodus chapter 40. Verse 16, we're just going to skim over several verses because this same phrase keeps coming up. Exodus 40, 16. Thus Moses did. You want to underline something in your Bible, this is it. Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. Nothing is more frustrating as a leader than asking people to do things and they go do their own thing with your name on it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse 18. So Moses raised up the tabernacle. 19. And he spread out the tent as the Lord had commanded Moses. Look at the end of verse 21. As the Lord had commanded Moses. End of 23. As the Lord had commanded Moses. End of 25. As the Lord had commanded Moses. 27. As the Lord had... 29. As the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 33. Here it is. And he raised up the cord all around the tabernacle of the altar and hung up the screen of the cord of the gate. So Moses finished the work starting is one thing finishing is another when the people are all distracted and they're they're going after some dumb golden calf and all those kinds of things Moses stayed with the plan of God amen don't drift off into other things God isn't requiring or asking us to do focus on the things that God has told you to do look at 34 then say then then, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
I tell you, I, I, I remember the glory coming in the house of God. I remember the first time I got touched by the glory when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember the beginning. You know, I was raised in a Lutheran church. We didn't have the glory. Amen? They always told you don't do and don't do this, and, but they never told you where the power was not to do the don'ts. They used to try to tell me that every time something went wrong was God trying to teach me something. I remember my freshman year of high school, they cut me from the baseball team and said, we think this would be a good lesson for you. Thanks. I don't need any more classes, thanks. Man, so mixed up. Here the, the glory begins to touch this tabernacle. Verse 36, and whenever the cloud was taken up above the, from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle day, by day and the fire over it by night in all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I want to thank God that if you walk into the house of God, that the glory is there to touch you. This was God's intent in the house, that he could walk and touch his people. Yeah. Not just come to a room, not just come to a building, but come to a place of his visitation. Can you say amen? Yeah. Now we're going to read on here in Leviticus chapter 1, and it's going to talk about the burnt offerings, but just stay with me. We're going someplace with all of this, because it's going to talk about three different animals. I don't care what size your animal is, it doesn't matter, but let's look at what was supposed to happen, and then we'll, we'll teach from it for a little bit. Here in Leviticus chapter 1 and uh, verse 3, it says, And if his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, that means, you know, cattle, cow, bull, whatever, heifer, let him offer a male without blemish, and he shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest. Aaron and his son shall bring the, the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle. Six, and he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron the priest shall put the fire, say fire, shall put the fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, in order on the wood that is on the fire of the altar, and he shall wash the entrails and its legs with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. You know, when Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples, remember he washed their feet? And Peter looked at Jesus and he said, not so, Lord, you're not, you can't wash my feet. I'm not going to let you do that. And Jesus said what? He said, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, then you can't have any part in the body. No part in the kingdom. Peter said, then, Lord, if that's the way it works, then wash all of me head to toe. I'm a head to toe. I want God to wash every part of me. I, I, amen. You see the picture beginning to develop in Leviticus chapter 1. Let's keep reading. And if his offering is of the flocks of the sheep or of the goats as a male sacrifice, he shall bring it without blemish, kill it on the north side of the altar, and the priests and Aaron's sons and shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar, and he shall cut it in the pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire of the altar. 13. But he shall wash the entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall bring it, and it will burn it on the altar 
It is a burnt sacrifice made by fire, a sweet aroma. And if his burnt sacrifice of the offering is of the birds, in other words, he doesn't, he doesn't have a cow, he doesn't have a bull, he doesn't have any rams or sheep, go get, go get you a turtle dove, go get you a pigeon, amen, and bring it into the church. And in verse 15 it says, And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head, and burn it on the altar, the blood it shall drain on the side, and he shall remove its crop, that's, that's its, its heart or its guts, with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side for the place of the ashes. Then it shall spill at its wings, sorry, split it at its wings and shall divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice on the offering, made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the idea here, the picture is no matter what you bring, I thank God whether you're a bull family or a sheep family or, or a turtle dove family, that you bring it to the house of God. And when you do, the priest is supposed, you know the verse that says you're supposed to ring, you know what it means to ring off its head? <laughs> and then you're supposed to take it and wash, wash its feet, open it up, lay it on that altar that the fire would touch every part of the inside of that sacrifice. I want to thank God that Jesus Christ comes along and as I come into the house of God, the job of the priest isn't to be my friend. The job of the priest isn't to wear cool clothes. The job of the priest isn't to come with some psychedelic new style haircut or some crazy thing. The job of the priest is to take me and to cut me open with the word of God. Come on. And to open my heart up before the almighty God that the fire of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the purifying agent of God, can touch every part of the inside of me and wash away in me what God doesn't want. Burn that I be, every part of me is touched by the fire, say fire. fire. You know, every now and then you need a priest in your life who's willing to wring your head off. <laughs> you, amen. You need it. Remember when Peter came to Jesus and he, he, Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross and die. Peter said, no. Jesus whipped around. He said, get behind me, Satan. That'll wring your head off. You need, <laughs> you need a priest in your life who's not afraid to twist your head off on occasion, folks. You need, amen? You, you need a Holy Ghost priest that's not afraid to take you and to cut you open with the word of God and take that fire and put it inside of you so every part of you is touched by the fire of the word of God. Friendship is nice and cool preachers and all of that, but that isn't a, a replacement for the goodness of the Almighty God and his touch. When I, when I got called into the ministry and I get involved in the ministry of helps, it wasn't so we could have some kind of a social club. It was to help my pastor be able to build a place where God's fire could touch his people. Where that cleansing agent of the Holy Ghost could begin to come in and burn away the chaff and take away from people the things that didn't belong. Can you say amen? amen. That's, what, that's what the helps ministry is all about. You know, we have... Um, at our church, everybody's church is different, but we had a youth event, and um, it, uh, Josh had, does it, it's called Invasion, and I was watching, we had worked I don't know how many hours to set the whole thing up, and it was all ready to go, and this gal came up, and she stood about here, I don't know, she's maybe 16, 17 years old, and as she stood there, you could see the power of God start to hit her, right? She's weaving a little bit, and you could tell she's starting to fight her emotions, and I thought, thank God, you know, we worked so hard for that to happen and to have that touch. Amen. 
If you've ever been touched by the Holy Spirit, your heart's desire is to have everybody touched by the Holy Spirit. And I stood there watching that, that young girl, and instead of staying there, she left. And I thought to myself, I said, don't go, don't, don't leave. And she went back to her seat, but she didn't stay there. She grabbed one of her friends, and she made her come with her up to the front. And, and you, you know, she, her friend was kind of reluctant. You could see her kind of dragging her. And she went, and, she, and I, I could tell, you know, she just, she's like, here, just stand here with me. Raise your hands, do what I do. And when that other girl stood there, the power of God hit those two, and they began to weep. I said, God, that's why we built this place. That's why we work like what we've worked. That the fire of God could touch those two people the way it touched me when I began to walk with God. We had a, we had a young girl in our church who's a good kid, good parents, but the world had a tug on her, you know what I mean? She'd do good for maybe six, eight weeks and then go to some stupid party and do a bunch of things and have to repent. She just couldn't break out of it. Just do good and then bad, do good and then bad. Just kind of two steps forward, one step back. You know what I mean? Always shooting herself in the foot. And she's warring and trying to do all of this. And we had a prayer line one night where the ministers all get in a row and, and um, the, the congregation comes walking through and we're all laying hands on them. And the, the worship team's doing like, thank God for good worship teams, amen? amen. And like you had this morning and the worship team's going and that young girl came and I'm telling you, she got about halfway through that thing and, and I was catching that night, bam, and the power of God hit that girl. And she wept. I mean, mascara went everywhere. It was dripping off her toenails by the end of the story. I mean, it went everywhere. She became one of the greatest worship leaders. She became one of the greatest minstrels I've ever met in the body of Christ. Because in that house of God, I began to watch the power, the fire of God. Begin to cleanse hearts and empower people to get out of the world and to get clean and, and to see. And, and I remember we had just remodeled the sanctuary again. <laughs> Come on now. And, and we, we had just finished retiling like a few weeks before or a few nights before that, that same week. And when she walked by the area of the aisle that I had help rebuild, that's where the power hit her. Wow. I said, God, you know, it was just stone and plywood when we put it down. But it's become an altar for the Almighty God. Yeah. It's become a place of his visitation. It's become a place when, when people can come in before the Almighty, good people who love God, but the devil's got to pull on them, and the touch and the fire of the Holy Spirit can begin to hit them, and they break free. They break free from the world and the pull of the devil and go on and walk in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. My job in the church isn't to try to be something I'm not. It's to help my pastor build a room where God can touch his people, to bring a beaver skin or a badger skin. Or I don't have the kind of money that some people in the church have, but I got something. I can bring something to contribute. I can do something to help build. I, I can have the, the water or the, or the oil or something in the house of God so that my pastor can begin to take God's fire. Not man's fire, not philosophies of men. Come on. You know, it, 
later on in these same verses, Nadab and Abihu, they're going to come along and, the, and when the fire goes out, they light their own, man's fire. And God's judgment falls and they die right there on the scene. Why? Because they're offering profane or what we call strange fire, not the holy fire of God. You're blessed in this church. Your pastor isn't bringing you man's philosophies and man's ideas. He's bringing you the truth from the very word of God. Why? That it might touch your inner man and your children's inner man and your children's children. Looking over the, the children's ministry and, and what's happening with the youth and the teens. Why? To make sure that the fire of God is busy touching the heart of every man, woman, and child in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. And if at times you feel like he's twisted your head off, if at times you feel like, Pastor, you are opening me up, good. Good. If at times he's preaching and he's, he can, he's preaching, you're thinking, my gosh, my wife and I just had a fight this morning at the kitchen table. He's talking about us. <laughs> That's that fire going down inside of you to help cleanse away what doesn't belong. To get things right. Can you say amen? amen. We, we won't go there. But if you have the time. You take a look at Matthew chapter 12. 6. Jesus says this. He says one greater than the temple is here now. Amen. Talking about himself. Yeah. As a meeting place. As a meeting place. One greater than the temple. Luke chapter 24. Talks about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes along, he begins to talk to them. And the Bible says, and he opened the scriptures and began to explain to them again the things concerning himself and um, from Moses and the prophets. What's the Bible say? When he leaves, it says, did not our hearts burn within us? John the, the Baptist said this about Jesus. He said, I can baptize you with water, but one comes after me greater than me. I, that can baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus Christ, as the great example, the high priest, comes into your life to touch you with the fire of the Holy Spirit down on your inside. Sometimes people tell me, you know, well, God will put you through things to teach you and this and that. I, I always think, you know, I don't really, you have, for a teacher, you have the Word of God, you have the Holy Spirit as your teacher. You have the man of God, the priest, the fivefold ministry to be your teacher. I'm trying to find any verses where God says, I'm going to use the world Come on. to cleanse you. Come on. Okay. Now, if you're not listening, does God put you through, uh, through hard things to teach you something? Well, Jonah, if you were told to go to Nineveh and you're running to the other side of it, you might get chucked off the boat. prodigal son you might go through some things but if you're telling me just a good honest everyday humble Christian loves God bringing their tithes serving in the church doing what they can God isn't looking to hurt you no more than I would take my granddaughter and poke her in the eye to teach her something that's called child abuse what's God do God takes of the pure word of God the pure spirit if I went to your house after church today and you're cooking me a steak and I'm thinking, boy, that's looking really good. You using charcoal, you use a propane on your grill, what do you use? Oh no, you open up the bottom and there's an old tire cooking. 
ain't eating that thing. This ain't the mission field. On the mission field, I got to eat that. I ain't got to eat that here. That's what I think when you tell me God wants to use the devil and hardship and poverty and lack and dis- people stabbing me in the back to teach me something. God doesn't cook over that fire. He didn't cook over. He didn't cook over. He doesn't help me throwing me out there and let the devil quote teach me something. That's the whole revelation in the book of Job is God wasn't the one causing the calamities. That's the whole first and second chapter. God's the, God's the one warning you. God's the one sustaining you. God's the one who comes along in the end and gives you twice as much as the devil ever took away from you. So that in the end, you're better off. Amen? For the record, if you ever want to study the modus operandi of God, you'll see that same thing repeating. Haman comes along and tries to kill the Jews by hanging them on the gallows. Haman dies on his own gallows. Daniel's enemies come along and create a lion's den so Daniel can get killed. Those men die in the same lion's den. The men that went to go throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire all died by the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went on and lived the days of their lives. You you set up a trap to ensnare another person. God will turn it so you fall into your own trap. That's how God has handled things for generations, folks. If you got people working and plotting and scheming against you, just watch God. Amen. Give it a little time. Watch God turn that thing around for you. Can you say amen? I want to help my pastor build a room where God can come in there and do anything he wants. We want to, he wants to use the anointing oil, pastor, that's fine, we got buckets of it. He, he wants to have no anointing tonight, just a word, that's fine, pastor, we've got, we've got everything set up, you teach us as long as you feel led to take that fire and put it down on the inside of us. And no matter what happens, let my heart be touched by the power of the word of God. Let it, let it be changed, amen? Let it be changed by the word of God. The verse, when they came back out of the Babylonian captivity, and I'll, I'll wrap up, but they, they had the, the older people there that, that knew the original temple, and they said, those of you who knew the former or the first temple, when you see this ladder, this one, is not it as nothing compared to the first that we saw. First person I ever heard really deal with that verse was a guy by the name of Jim Crabb. I think you know Pastor Crabb. But he began to talk one time about the church that he first found. He came out of the hippie era. Long hair, rock and roll, drug era. And he walked into this church and it was an old Pentecostal church and the women sat on one side wood pews the women sat on one side and the men sat on the other there he is with his long hair there's only 40 people in the whole church but before church they would all leave the women go one way and the men would go the other way and they would they would go into a prayer room before the service so he brought one of his hippie druggy friends to the church pastor crab did he said, and when we, we got there, he says, now, Jimmy, is anything strange going to happen? Oh, no. He said, nothing strange. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> they went into that little room where the men began to pray. And he said, now, brothers, everybody kneel down, find a chair. We're going to pray. We're going to the throne room of heaven. And the power of God hit. And that little hippie man looked over at Pastor, what would future be Pastor Jim Crabb? And he, he looked and he said, where'd he say we're going? 
<laughs> that was, that was, that was the, the church. Pastor Crabb told me that in, in that day, he said his, his, what was going to be his wife, Sarah, wouldn't go out with him because he was too crazy. So he brought a girl to church to try to make Sarah jealous. This little girl, you know, a hippie, she came in in a miniskirt. She didn't know any better. So she came into church dressed like that. And during the praise and worship, nobody even said anything. She, the, the Holy Spirit hit her and she walked out and she came down to the altars and knelt down and in tears gave her heart to Jesus Christ. When I got born again, that was a church. The power of the Holy Spirit. The night I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I went to go see my wife Janine and I saw one of my first open visions. The stars in the sky began to rearrange and realign. And it was, it was the glory becoming in my life. I began to see the glory, the visitation of God poured out. That was the quote, church, with the power of the Holy Spirit and fire yes. that I found. We, you know what I'm talking about? My, my wife Janine got, got pregnant with Nathan and we were... We were over at a friend's house for a, for a Thanksgiving service. And while we were there, she began to bleed. We thought we were going to lose, lose the, the baby. And just over a Thanksgiving service, we were with some elders at our church. And they stopped and they prayed. And the Holy Spirit healed my wife instantly. Nathan is still alive to this day. Say the glory. Say the glory. That was the glory I found when I came into the church. Not a social club, not, not any of that. It was a place where the fire of God fell. It was a place where the men and women of God knew the power of God, where they knew the voice of God. And it was a place where it was a visitation of the Almighty God. Can you say amen? amen. These, these things, Brother Ray, why do you emphasize the ministry of helps? Because every pastor needs somebody who can help gather the wood, who knows how to help him build the fire of God. Bring visitors and bring people to the church and begin to noise abroad the matter. There's, there's a man of God in my city. There's a man of God in our area. He'll pray for you. He'll help you. He'll help fix your family. He'll help get things together. And when that fire begins to fall, ladies and gentlemen, people that have struggled and battled to get right with God, suddenly the power begins to change them in their lives. Yeah. Like the girl I mentioned there, the young psalmist that I mentioned, you begin to see, I'm not the pastor, but I'll help my pastor build that fire every week. Amen. I'll help cook, amen. I'll help cook, I'll help keep, make sure there's always enough wood in the house so that that fire can keep touching every person that comes into the house of God. Can you say amen? amen. Let me pray for you. Raise your hands and close your eyes. Lord, help us to be like Bezalel. To be filled with your spirit. To know how to hear from you. To walk with you. To know how to help pastor build this house. This sanctuary. That the power of your spirit might be found here. That people can come in. Whether big, medium, or small doesn't matter. But that they may be touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit when they get here. May their lives be changed and turned around. And may the burning of your spirit take place in our inner man. That we might become consumed by the fire of the Almighty. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap, Pastor. Thank you for your time. Hallelujah.